Good morning, everybody. Hopefully you are having an okay Monday morning. Hopefully you got the day off. I think it's what, Labor Day, if that's the right holiday? Have a good show for you today. I have a couple interesting topics that I wanted to hit. One of them is kind of one I haven't talked about in a while. We'll jump into that here in a little bit. But first, welcome to the Break the Cycle with DSD podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne. First, I'm not a therapist, nor am I an attorney. I'm an individual much like you. Went through a toxic, difficult, high-conflict divorce. Through that process, I developed some tips and techniques that I used in my own life that I share with you to help you get your life back, break the cycle of abuse, hopefully repair the relationship with your child, and just bottom line, minimize the impact of toxic people in your life. The other thing is, is be careful throwing around diagnoses. Only a clinician in a clinical environment can do that. Going around calling your ex a borderline personality disorder person or narcissistic personality disorder or actually pretty much anything that they don't have a diagnosis for is a surefire way to get yourself into trouble. Just don't do that. If you like what goes on here and you want to support the channel and help keep the, the colorful lights on, you can do that over at youtube.com slash divorce and check out the join button to become a channel member. Help everything out. Get a cool emoji or no, a cool badge by your name. Access to cool emojis. Some other perks like having your name listed as a supporter in the end if you're level two and above. I, that way if you don't want to. I can take that out. The phone lines are open. 1-424-373-5483. dsd live If you're outside of the United States, you can scroll down and click the link for the web interface. That way you don't have to pay international calling to be a part of the show. All right, guys. Hopefully, you're doing all right. I, I I don't expect it to be a big show with the with the holiday. I'm assuming lots of people are probably doing other things and happen to start their day at, at real early. Well, if you're in California, it's real early, six a.m. I think this is like the worst time. Who who in California is going to be up? It's so. Let me ask this: Is there anybody actually here watching this right now, live from California? Put it in the comments. I'd like to know. And the moderator doesn't count. <laughs> Anyways, the other thing I, I wanted to mention is the You Get to Be You series is still underway. And today's uh, guests on that are Matthew Papa Papas, who is the co-host of the Daily Recovery Support Call on cpsdfoundation.org. He's going to be talking about anxiety. And then Stephanie Delfonso is an interrogative inter Grative, easy for me to say, hypnotist, coach, speaker, and author of Goodbye Anxiety, Hello Freedom, How to Build a Resilience and Overcome Anxiety. You know, anxiety is a big thing on, <laughs> on this. I mean, rightfully so. I mean, whenever your whole world is flipped upside down, you know, what you thought was up and what, and what was down has now been reversed or now it's sideways and you're just trying to figure out what in the heck's going on in the world. Anxiety is a big thing. Man, I used to have really bad anxiety, you know, and I still have anxiety. I'm kind of just wired that way, but uh, it's uh, it, it's definitely not as bad as it used to be. Now, now I can see uh, I can see what it is. I can recognize it when it's happening. So, um, you know, anyways. So uh, actually, we do have a caller. Uh, I'll grab that in a second, and then I'll hit to hit the other talking points. So thanks, everybody, for hanging out this morning. Um, oh, look, I have another channel member. Well, thank you very much, Jack. I pretty, pre- appreciate that. Uh, Sarah says, what's the number? It is 1-424-373-5483. Technically, it's in the title of the description when this is live, not on the replay. And, uh, and then there's links and it's also in the video description and the show notes. If you are watching the podcast later, that's the other thing I wanted to mention. And I forgot to put in my notes, 
There is a podcast version of this show that goes live pretty much almost not immediately after it, but within the first hour of the show being done. You can find that over on your favorite podcast directory under Break the Cycle with DSD. And if you are one of the new people who are watching the show, because I've seen my numbers bump up, the unique views on that, uh, and you like, well, be, (laughs) what's the word I'm trying to say? Uh, I would appreciate it if you would give an honest assessment of the show on iTunes and any place else that allows you to do that, to rate the show on what you think about it. Because the more people that do that, the more the systems think that are, you know, not think, but see the data that people are like, hey, they're interested in this show. So I would appreciate that. You can do that over at iTunes. And I'm not sure if the other ones uh, allow that. But uh, thank you if, uh, if you would take a moment to do that. Maybe if I can figure out the direct link to it, I'll put it in the comments. Or not the comments, the, uh, the show notes so that uh, you, can, you can do that. So now I'm going to go to the caller who is talking about abandoning access, uh, area code 917. Hello and welcome to the show. Wayne. Hey, you Hi. are so amazing. My name's Amy. I'm in New York. Hey. <laughs> so, um, what's going on? So, um, my four, my 14 year old finally figured out who his father is. Like, I mean, such, such a narc, such a narcissist, psychopath, passive aggressive. I mean, all the reasons that I'm not married. And there were drugs in his home, and my 14-year-old was, like, smoking nutmeg in his home. And in his home, he uh, so he met this, of course, narcissist that he shacked up with three years ago, um, met her, and, and moved my kids in with her about a year ago, which has not gone well. Um, to some extent, they like, they like her, but but she wouldn't let me talk to my kids. You know, as she saw my... My, she saw me as an intrusion in her life. Of course, in my stipulation, I'm allowed to talk to my kids whenever I want, but she would discourage them openly, you know, with facial gestures. And she made yeah. it very clear that she disapproved of me calling. So this went on and on. Anyway, I asked, so March 17th, uh, my ex at, at the start of COVID, um, even though he's a medical neglector, this is my third year in court with him for medical neglect. And he's like, a, he's, he's crazy. He doesn't believe in health care for my kids, but he goes to the doctor, it, right? It's all a control issue. All of it right. has placed my kids in danger. My kids have been in danger so many times. And I'm also a nursing assistant. So it's like, I'm actually a clergy woman and a nursing assistant. So I did well after I left him and he couldn't take it. So he abuses my kids in any way he can. Oh, yeah. And he does. And anyway, March 17th, he, you know, Dwayne, he sent me an email saying, I I think you should take care of the kids until they're better. They, they both have asthma. They both have bad cough. And oh. that was the last time he, that was the last time he took his defined court ordered access time. He had them 10 overnights a month and he saw them every Wednesday and that was it. He takes, uh, my 14 year old won't see him. I had to get a restraining order because he was harassing my 14 year old. So my 14 year old sees him now once a week. That's a little bit better, but my 11 year old had one overnight in six months. And of course I have to pay to take care of them for those 10 overnights that he would have had them. I don't care. I want full custody, but I didn't tell him to stop seeing my 11-year-old. So the reason I'm really calling is my 11-year-old is devastated. I mean, there are such mood changes over his abandoning him. He talks to him on the phone a few times a day um, and then says, I love you, and then doesn't see him. He lives 10 minutes from here. And wow. I don't know. Uh, clear, yeah, he's been complaining a lot about COVID, and he. He doesn't tell anyone why he's left Isaac. Isaac's my 11-year-old. And he doesn't tell Isaac. He won't tell the therapist. He won't tell his lawyer. He won't tell the attorney for the children. And, of course, he won't tell me because he doesn't communicate with me. So I just want to talk to you about my son because his mood is severely impacted. Uh, Of course, I talk to the therapist. And everyone says, well, we can't force him to be a father. But I just wrote to him and I said, you need to step up and start being a father. 
You can't just see this kid for three hours on Sunday after 10 overnights. I mean, he's hysterical. So I just, I'm really worried that my son is going to try to hurt himself to, um, to get his father's attention. And I, I'm like walking this fine line of telling him the truth, which is that, look, dad's not here. And I say, I know he loves you, but there's something going on in his life right now. And I, I don't want to lie to him, yeah. but I don't want him to think that his father doesn't care. So I'll be quiet now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so let me just double check. So y- your son does have a therapist, right? So he is in therapy then? He, yeah, but okay. you know, it's, it's um at an office for mental health at Children's Health Center. So he just left the therapist he was with for a year, and there's a new one. So he's getting to know. Oh, okay. He will be, and he likes the therapist a lot. Okay. But I, I told her he needs therapy twice a week, and I'm going to talk to her again tomorrow about this. Um, but he's showing signs of oppositional defiance disorder. I've never seen this. I mean, it's so bad, and he's hysterical. It's just he's so impacted. And well, I can't force this. Yeah, I mean, you can't. Uh, yeah, there's there, see, I, and that's. I mean, that's the problem that I think everybody goes through is that you have this other person who, because of the issues that they have, talking about our ex spouses, isn't able to be the parent or the the person that their kid needs or that they should need. And and the frustrating part for us is it's not really even that much effort. I mean, all you really have to do is just provide a little bit of attention and it's devastating for a child. I know because I went through this, it's devastating for a child. Whenever you think that one of your parents doesn't want you, doesn't care about you. Um, and Mm -hmm. you know, you don't understand. I mean, you know, so I, I really feel for you on that. I mean, the best thing that you're see, the problem is, is that you got to be really careful what you say, I mean, you don't want to sit in, sit him down and say, look, this is the deal. That's what you want the therapist to do. You want the therapist to basically work those issues and, and talk about uh, behavioral patterns and stuff like that. Because if you do it, mm-hmm. he's already, our children are already predisposed to think that we're biased, right? So it's like you say something and in the back of his mind, it's like, well, you're just saying that because you hate dad or you're just saying that because... You know, I mean, well, it's right. like, and he's I mean, mad at me all the time. Right, right. right Cause right. he probably, you know, he's, he's, well, one, he's just frustrated. I mean, he just, your child doesn't know, doesn't understand it. And, and I'm, right. I'm glad to hear that you have him in therapy because if you don't, then, and he, if he doesn't resolve this issue before he becomes an adult, then there is a high probability that he is going to find somebody to help him re- try to resolve that issue that he had growing up. And typically that means you end up marrying somebody who's not so great. And, you know, none of us want our kids well, to have know, to Dwayne, go through that. I'm just, uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry to, to cut you off yeah, at no this worries. point. Yeah, I mean, I, my 14-year-old is on Lexapro and I'm like dealing with, uh, I just hope he gets to the age where he can marry someone. He's so depressed. You know, that's that's what I'm worried about. But I'm sorry to, to cut you off. Oh, no, I yeah. see what you're saying. Yeah, no. I mean, and, and, but you're doing, you're doing all the right stuff, right? I mean, it, if you were saying this and you weren't trying to get therapy, you weren't trying to, to find resources to, to help your kids, well, then that would be the first step, right. but you're doing that. I mean, the second part of it is for him is just to basically be there and give him your time. And part of that is going to be when mm-hmm. he's lashing out at you because uh, see the, the unfortunate reality of this is we also take the brunt of it. So you got this person who's just wreaking havoc in your life. And then, and then we're sitting here trying to, trying to, I mean, we're trying to undo the damage or counter parent with whatever the the other person is trying, what has done. And it's really, really tough. But, uh, I mean, you're doing the right stuff. Yeah. I mean, but like I said, just 24 hours a day, you know, and it's like, and he's going crazy, but I'm wondering, I'm wondering if I should get him into something else other than therapy, like a separate divorce counseling place. Or, you know, it's like, I, I don't want to overload him with, with therapy, but yeah, you know, I mean, actually, me you know, I, I mean, one of the other, th- I mean, see, you can't do a lot of the other stuff that I would recommend, right? I mean, you know, a sports or some other type of activity where he's involved with other people would be really helpful. 
And uh, well, with COVID, it's hard. I know. I, I know. Could. I mean, I couldn't. He's too scared. He is too scared of COVID. You know, right. he's that kind of kid. No, I know. Well, so, and, I mean, yeah. And then all that's going to do is is be other anxiety and cause other problems. I mean, so. You know, I mean, it's it's a really frustrating time because of that, because it limits your options of what you can what you can do. I'm trying to think creatively. Right. I mean, you know, it, yeah, he's a, well, he's a pianist. You know what? You just you know, what? you just seem you feel so much better like you always do on this show. Oh, my goodness. He's a, he's a um, we're both musicians, but him and my father, professional classical musicians, and he's wow. become a piano prodigy and he was given a scholarship to a very big conservatory in new york so you know what maybe you're right once he starts that and he starts school again he'll get a little bit better but you know his father gives him piano lessons and he but he's going to be studying with someone else and this man he's going to be studying with his major teacher seems like a really great guy so me i also think I haven't had someone normal in my life in four years yeah. since my divorce. And that's another issue. I keep meeting sociopaths because that's hey, how I grew t- up and t- I'm getting yeah. up for myself. Yeah. Take a break on relationships. You know, t- you, know you don't, I mean, okay. uh, it, it, it's tough uh, because especially out of this, you, you feel vulnerable. You feel like, oh my God, I'm never going to be loved. And then you kind of like want to prove yourself wrong. But if you're in the wrong mindset and the back of your mind, you still are, are, geared for this, you're going to just, like you said, you're going to attract the same, same type of people. Take a break. You don't, you know, so do, I mean, but I feel like he needs a dad, you know, like they really need, no, he needs, he needs a, a really, he needs a stable home and he needs a stability with you. And then later, if you find somebody and that person can come in and augment or be a bonus to that, then that's a different story. But trying, but try, but see, right. the problem is, is if you're going out trying to find someone to do that, to like make a nuclear family again and try to provide that, you're setting yourself up for mm-hmm. failure because you're not entering that frame in a, in a, in a, in a way that where you're more, what am I trying to say? You, what you want to be is you want to have your life stable, right? So then when you pull somebody in or somebody comes in, you can sit there and go, okay, you can critically analyze the person and say, yes, this person belongs in my life, or no, there's too many red flags, right? But we, the, right. No, I hear what you're saying, because yeah. my ex jumped into this thing with this nutty woman, and oh, that's yeah. not working out. <laughs> no, exactly. And then it right. just makes it worse, right? I mean, if you bring some... I mean, you know, I, it's like, I mean, I didn't know a lot of this stuff like when I started dating Debbie, but, um, you know, we waited three, we were... I wanted to wait six months, but three months, things look really stable. And, you know, hey, we've been together for over six right. years. So, you know, I mean, it's we're still together. Wow. But And we don't even live together. I mean, it's kind of a weird dynamic because of work and, and stuff like that. But you, right. you, you don't want to have, you know, okay, now Bill's involved and then Bill lasts for a year or two. And then now there's Steve and or, you know what I mean? Well, you that's don't, what's happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They leave my kids and they're devastated. Right, yeah, so don't, right. please, please just take a break. Don't do that. You know, I uh, find other, okay. other male figures that are, you know, not romantic to you. I mean, if it's somebody, you know, in, I don't know if you're, you know, well, you said, I think you said church. I mean, if there's somebody in the church that, you know, like a church group type thing, um, you know, or it just, well, I'm a clergy woman, but if you don't want to meet, you know, you don't want to meet people. I, it's like people at work, you know, that's tough yeah, yeah. because if that doesn't work. <laughs> no, no, I, I, yeah, I hear what you're saying, so, but I'm just saying, just be, you know, you, know you, you just got to be careful because right now what your kids need is stability, right? I mean, yeah. You, yeah. if you, if something, and the, here's the crazy part is once you, you know, you kind of heal yourself and you get to the point where you're like, you know what? Life is good. I'm, I'm, I don't need anybody mm-hmm. else. If it, it'll happen when it happens, I'm okay with that. Inevitably, what happens when right. you hit that spot, when you genuinely hit that spot, that meant that mental space, somebody shows up. I mean, hell, that's what happened with mm-hmm. Debbie and I. As soon as I got to the point where I'm like, you know what? Because wow. I went through that phase where I was really worried about um, being alone and ever finding anybody. But when I actually got to the spot right. where I was like at peace with it, not, not that I got beat down. I'm like, oh, crap, I'll never meet anybody. When I'm just like, you know what? This will work out. I like my life. Things are going good. Um, you know, okay, it's not a problem. I'm not going to mess with the dating thing. If I meet somebody great. And, you know, like two Mm -hmm. months later or a month, however long it was, you know, boom, I basically bump into Debbie. I mean, and and it's, that's kind of the way it works. Right. So So you're saying, 
it's not like don't look for someone for your kids. Like yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So did you did thank you for that? Did you? I I know this sounds. I, I did you ever think your kids were going to kill themselves or hurt themselves? I mean, in order to to get attention. I mean, a lot post divorce teens and tweens are at really high risk, especially boys when their fathers leave them like that. It, there were, and there were, did you ever go through that? Yes. I'll, I'll leave it. I'll, I won't go into a lot of detail, but yeah. And it was, it was incredibly frustrating and stressful. Actually, I was just talking to someone on the discord about that the other day too, with what something they're going through, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's common, right. right? I mean, cause we'll think about it. You know, a child goes through a thing, their whole world, I mean, our worlds get exploded and our, our, you know, what we thought was going to happen is just upside down. It's even worse for a child. You know, you have this this stability, even if it's not a good relationship, it's it's stable in their minds yeah. and then their reality blows apart. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for us. Yeah. It's even harder yeah. for a child. And then when you have a parent that doesn't want to be involved, they feel rejected by by the one person at least, you know, of one of the two people in their lives that sh- they should always be able to count on and it's really tough. But I think yeah. you got some ideas to I- to help with that, so you know, press on with that. And, and then well, thank it, you so much. And thank then you. email me back or call in again and just let me know how it goes. I'd like to know if you start making some progress. Yeah, I will. All right. Do you, do you do private coaching? I, I didn't know. Like, Yeah, actually you, I, you... I do. And it's uh, you can find out more on that oh, on my okay. website, dad's com slash coaching. And you can, uh, it's uh, okay. Pick a time that's available and yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. Thank you so much for taking my call. God bless you. Well, thanks for calling. Doing great work. Thank you. Okay. Take care. You know, it's it's just, I, I I said this the other day. It's like, why the hell can't they just be, you know, just pretend. I mean, my God, they can fake all this crap with other people to, 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 to do the love bombing and, and pull people in, why can't they just pretend to be a good parent? Now, I know the answer to that, but I mean, I think we all do. I mean, it's like they don't have the capacity to do it, but it's so frustrating. And, and like this caller, I mean, I've seen, I've had this experience with my kids where I'm just like, come on. I mean, and we have, I have 50, 50 custody and it's like, the, the ex was a stay at home, you know, didn't work until what a year ago. It's like, come on, can't you give them a little attention? I hear it now where one of the kids will say that they want to do something and ask their mom, you know, hey, can you take me here to do something? No, I'm tired or no, I don't want to do that. Or, and it's like, you know, I don't know how many times the kids go, oh, I want to, I signed up for this. Can we go? And I'm, I mean, internally I'm thinking, oh God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to have to get up and, or, you know, load in the car or, you know, I'm just like, but I do it. You know, I don't turn around and say, no, you know, I had a thing. My mom did something like that to me. When I was younger in high school, I wanted to, or actually even before that, I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be a photojournalist. I was obsessed with photography and, you know, visual storytelling. And I was really focused on that. And I had with our with our town is a pretty big town but it had a local paper and i would during the high school football games i would talk to the the uh newspaper photographers and i made friends with them friends with them to the point that they're like hey you know you're really into this i'll let you you know if you're interested you can come down to the paper to the photo department and you could come help me you know be like an assistant unpaid to uh to hang out while I cover news stories. And I was like, oh my God, right? And I remember asking my mom, and this is so, this is so weird. I hadn't thought about this in the long, longest time. I remember asking my mom, saying, hey, you know, you know Bill from the, from the local paper said I can come down and he want to show me the, the thing and, and I can do a shoot with him. And all it was was complaining. It's like, oh, I don't want to go. I don't know. Can't you get, you know, can you do it a different day, you know? I'm thinking, you know, to me, it was like super, well, it was super important. And I think I got her to do it once 
Or if that wasn't the case, I rode my bike like 15, you know, I don't know, 15 miles. But I mean, I, 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 I don't remember how. I got to do it one time. And then shortly after that, we ended up moving um, out of the city, not the state, but the city. And I tried to replicate that, and I wasn't able to. But I was able to become an intern uh, or an apprentice with another professional photographer who uh, did commercial and sports stuff. And But I mean, it was just like, I, I see that with... with uh, my kids, like my son, he's 21 years old, you know, he's on disability, so he has a little bit of money. Every once in a while, he'd be like, hey, I, you know, I, I want to get a Mc, well, I want, you know, I want to get a drink. I want to go through McDonald's. I want a McFlurry. I'm like, all right. He goes, well, I'll buy. And I'm like, I'm like, no, that's, I'm like, it's cool. But I'll just, it's like, okay. I mean, it, I mean, if there was something legitimate, right? I mean, if there was like, hey, I'm in the middle of a work call or I'm, I'm like, actually, there's some time sensitive thing. Okay. I could see saying, no, we'll do it later, or I can't really do it, or whatever. But I don't know. Every time I I hear about from the other place, it's like the, the answer is always no. You know, and since it's the precedence has been set, if he asks his sister, who his middle sister, who's over eighteen and can drive, hey, can you take me? The answer is no, right? Because it's already been. Oh well, we can just you know this is the scapegoat, the black sheep of the family, so we don't have to, to accommodate anything. It's just amazing. It's like it doesn't even take that much. All right, so there is a question that I missed that the mod moderator Debbie threw out there, and it's from Matt. I wonder if I can let me see if I can pull this up. I'm gonna scroll back. Uh, where is it? I'm trying to find it. Wow, is there like? I guess there is some comments going on. So okay. Max P says, can you tell us how you prevented your ex to move across the country with the kids at the beginning of the divorce? That was super simple. I filed because the second, at least in my state in California, the second you file, there is a, a temporary restraining order on moving, selling assets, spending money. You know, I mean, it's like, it's like everything stops. So if you are worried Max, if you're worried about your um, your soon-to-be ex absconding with the kids and you are married, file. If you don't, either one of you can do pretty much whatever the hell you want and it's not kidnapping. And just so everyone understands, a lot of times what happens is someone... See, here's the thing. The reality is... Let me back up. I'll start, I'll start this. Okay. If you're in a, if you're in a normal situation and let's say there's just a problem and someone's like, Hey, I need a break. The kids and I for the summer are going to go hang out with my family in, in, you know, let's say I'm in California and Washington, Washington state. So, and you say, okay. And they go up there and they hang out there and you think it's going to be a couple of weeks and then it turns into a month and then it turns into two months. There's a good possibility what's going on is they're waiting until their residency time has been established in this new state, and then they're going to file there. And then your divorce is going to be based up there, and you're going to be in a bad situation. So if you are worried about this, talk to an attorney, find out what the rules are, what the deal is in your locale, and more than likely, your best bet is going to be to file to say you can't leave. And that's what I did. I, I filed because I'm like, oh, crap. She's going to take the kids and run. Not run. I mean, you know, come up with that scenario. You know, oh, we need, to, we need a break. I'm going to take the kids. We're going to, I'm going to go back to my mom's or my brother's. It would have been probably your brother back then. And, uh, and then it would have just been a matter of staying there long enough to be, become a resident of that state and then file there. I've seen that a lot of times. And the sad part is, is that kind of goes back with what I was talking about with, with a couple of days or last, what was it last week when I was talking about uh, filing, you know, who files first, you know, it's like people say, well, whoever files first has the advantage. The reality is, is whoever files first, who's been planning it for a year or two years, they have an advantage. Because if, if like, for instance, let's say I'm a nar- the narcissistic person. And I'm like, okay, I'm planning here, dun, 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 you know, I mean, I got the, the Mission Impossible music going on, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this, and I'm setting everything up. You, you have years to plan. You pretend 
like everything's fine. You, you do everything else like you're still in a relationship. And then when it starts going south, you're like, oh, you know, we need some time. We need this. We, you know, whatever. The other person more than likely is like, oh, crap. They're in the mode of trying to fix the relationship. They don't realize that you are in this situation. Me, this is hypothetical, by the way, just, just to clear that up. They're not aware that I've already basically planned. I've talked to an attorney offline. I paid them cash. I you know, did whatever so it's off the books. No one you know, covertly or uh, serendipitously, I don't know if that's the right word for that, set this thing up. Then I hit the button. The other person is still scrambling to try to fix the relationship or trying to figure out how to save the marriage. Not again, not realizing it's already over. So your your tra- your trajectory is over here, and you're heading the wrong direction, and you're completely blindsided. So, anyways, I hope that answered your que- question, Max. And uh, so the way you do it is you double check with an attorney or your local laws. <coughs> Excuse me. In my situation. They uh, write on the standard form when you fill it out. It was like on the back page of it. That's what it said. It was like, you know, you know, this is a, you know, you, I'm trying to remember how it was said. I haven't seen it in like, what, 10, nine years, maybe, well, yeah, probably about nine years. They, uh, uh, I mean, it said it right there. So, and that was one of the reasons, again, that's one of the reasons why I did file, even though I, and I hadn't planned on it, right? She had already, this was already in route. I just basically uh, didn't, um, follow follow the script that she had planned because I didn't know about it. <laughs> All right, Max says, thank you for your answer, and your ex did not make an official move-away request after you filed. Yes, she did. Uh, during she, Not initially. What, what happened is, is they wanted to, right? They filed, and then they're like, hey, um, Mrs. X wants to move to a, uh, to a different... Um, you know, wants to move away, will you stipulate, 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 easy for me to say, stipulate that we can talk about the move away on the first court hearing. And I'm like, F that, no way in hell. You want to do that? Come back. Um, but they ultimately, what they did is she brought it up during the custody evaluation. So she told the custody evaluator that she was doing a move away. So the custody evaluator is like, okay, I'm doing this as a move away because this person just told me that, that they're moving away. So now this is not a determination of the appropriate visitation schedule for you guys being in the same state, it will be a move away. So, um, and, and Max, just to throw that out there. Well, you know what, actually this is to everybody. If you go to, you go to court and you, you file a motion to have something heard like, uh, medical bills, right. And you go in there and you're, while you're there, you're like, Hey, um, I also want to talk about school. If the other party doesn't agree to it, it ain't going to be talked about. You know, the judge will probably say, okay, you know, Mr. Dwayne, um, you want to talk about that? You know, Mrs. X Dwayne, do you want to talk about that? No, Your Honor, we're not ready. We're not prepared to discuss this at the time. It'll be need to, need to follow up at another hearing. In other words, no, the other per- party needs to pay another chunk of money to do it. Which, okay, technically that's why I, I wouldn't allow him to do it because I wanted to slow roll that because I was scared to death that she was going to leave with the kids. The other part about that, guys, family court works so <laughs> slow. It's so frustrating. We all think when you're in the beginning part of this that it's going to be fast and it's just going to, to you know, you're going to get your hearing, you're going to get answers, and it just doesn't. It doesn't work that way, unfortunately. All right, the phone lines are open, one four two four three seven three five four eight three one four two four dsd live if you want to talk about anything that we've already talked about, my uh, original position of the show, which actually, you know what, I'm going to pause on that. I'm going to look and see if uh, we have any other questions. Uh, if you guys do have questions in the comments during the live show, uh, if you could uh, put uh, like a cue or either tag me, just do at DSD so it makes it orange, at least in one of the views. Uh, that would be helpful or just put questions so that we know it's a question. Uh, that would be helpful. Not that the chat's super fast today. It's kind of kind of, uh, kind of, of a mellow day. What do we got? We got 59 people. Wow. You know, to be perfectly honest, for a holiday, I'm actually surprised. Thank you guys for hanging out with me on this Monday. 
And John Boston says, family court is very slow. We went to court 22 times and have stayed in court or w- and have stayed in court if my ex could have afforded it. Oh my God. Ain't that the truth? It's just like, they just don't, they just don't stop until they run out of money. Or if something happens where they're like, oh crap, that, that court thing didn't work out well for me. So I don't want to do that anymore. Joseph says mine was a kangaroo court. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, I guess I can't technically, well, see, technically we've ultimately in my situation, we ultimately agreed to, you know, agreed to 50-50. But I think the only reason that happened is because the custody evaluation came back saying that. And I think that, honestly, I think what happened, what I kind of heard, what I kind of heard through the rumor mill, amazingly enough, is that the my ex's counsel was starting to get irritated at her. Now, maybe maybe where who I heard that from was was not being truthful, but look, <laughs> understanding who my ex is now and how wonderful of a glorious human being, I I, I could see that. I could see I could see that happening. Plus, I think she ran out of money, and uh, her attorney, from what I heard, is she's a great attorney as long as the checks are coming in, and as soon as you're not not paying. They, uh, they're not, not so great. I was fortunate. I had a pretty decent attorney. I'm, I'm still paying mine off. I get another bill from him today. I'm, I'm like down to the wire. It's just, everything is so tight right now that I, I can't really send them a lot of money, but, but, uh, someday, someday soon I will be done paying the attorney. Actually, I think it's like, I, I think I'm down to, well, there's some interest that's going on, but I think I'm down to like 400 bucks. <laughs> it's like, you know. It's like, I just, it's like, there's just not enough wiggle room in the budget to do it. Ah, I wonder if I'm even going to be able to get to, get to what the topic is. Let me double check. Let me, let me look through what everyone is saying. Uh, actually, you know, I asked that question before about anybody in California. So I'm going to scroll up. Oh, Caleb was here. Hey, Caleb, if you're still here, uh, let's see, let's see. Um, Looking down, let's see. Dun, 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 dun. Um, oh, I think maybe I saw one. If the yet, oh, yeah. See, now I don't know what the question was. So I see one person said they were from New York. See, I don't think, like I said, I I don't think I have anybody in California. I'm sure in the replay. I'm sure whenever this comes back up later on YouTube, or when they 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 wake up, they stretch. Ugh. They make their cup of coffee at eight or nine if they're if today's a holiday, then then maybe six a.m. Not so much. <laughs> Anyways, uh, oh, the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, I'm working on two uh, two uh, two collaborations. One is firmed up. It's firmed up. That's with Chris Godinez. Uh, oh, I didn't set up a way to, to show that. Um, you know, actually, I did. Hold on. It, we're going to do on Thursday. Let me come over here to the community tab and make this smaller and then scroll down so you guys can see this and go like this. And hopefully, okay, cool. My, I, I switched my format around, so I took my picture off. So I just wanted to make sure my audio was still going through. So on Thursday at 6 a.m., Chris Godinez will be back. She's the licensed therapist that's in Arizona. I'm like 99% sure it's Arizona. We are going to talk about estranged parents talking about the dynamics of how uh, an adult child who was estranged from their parent, some, some things that are going on with that, some potentials to deal with it. I can talk about it from my perspective of being an estranged child uh, and almost an estranged parent with my own kids because that was absolutely being pushed. So anyways, oh, and what I'm on, if you guys are wondering, on the, on the main DSD channel, you can, uh, there's tabs and there's a community section, I guess it's a tab, and that's where I can actually send stuff to you. It's kind of like, uh, you know, like a Facebook-y slash Instagram-y type way to be able to send stuff. So you can see some, uh, I post stuff there. 
So, oh, and the other thing I just want to mention, I did mention earlier about the Discord. The best way to get to the Discord invite is just to go to youtube.com slash divorce on the main banner page in the top, uh, in the top uh, banner on the bottom right. The, bo- the bottom right of the top of the page, could that be any more confusing? There's a bunch of links. There's a link to the website. There's a link to PayPal. There's a link to Patreon, which I'm probably seriously considering closing. And then there's a link, an invite link for the Discord. Uh, then the other thing I was telling you about before, there's the join button to become a channel member. Um, just so to cover some of those links. So Max also asked, uh, hold on, let me click the button on this. I wonder if I can do, I'm going to try this real quick. I'm going to go, um, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't want to do that. Oh, I'm doing, yeah, we'll do this and then we'll go. Okay. So, uh, well, no, they didn't recognize that there was MPD. Okay. And that just to be clear, my ex has never been diagnosed with anything. She's not diagnosed, well, as far as I know. I have never been given any information that she's been diagnosed with a personality disorder, with a depressive disorder, with any, anything, any mental health condition. Uh, as far as uh, the, the, everyone is concerned, from a medical perspective, she is absolutely fine. And technically, on a custody evaluation, you have to be really careful talking about that after because all the information is, is sealed. But... Do not expect that a custody evaluation is going to capture that. Probably a a forced uh, psychological evaluation, which is, I mean, part of a custody evaluation is that, but I would almost recommend you start with that. Say, hey, there's some serious problems here. Not necessarily need a custody evaluation, but need a psychological evaluation to find out, to to make sure that these patterns of behavior are not uh, indicative of some greater problem. The, the other thing to remember or to keep in mind is those things get to be start start to be really expensive. So if you go down that road, you better have the resources to uh, to cover that. And one thing I will say on that, let me see if I can. Uh, okay, so I'm going to go back to the website, go to the home. If you scroll down to uh, the expert interviews, and where is it? Oh, there's that one I did with Caleb. Oh, I shouldn't even promote that one. I, I totally messed that one up I did with Caleb. Not my best work. This, but this interview with Cordell and Cordell Law Firm, I did do a pretty good job on that one. A lot of good information, and he did talk about how to deal with narcissistic exes in court when you don't have the resources for all the different evaluations and it's basically the short version is dealing or focusing on uh, patterns of behavior. And he also spoke about specifics on how you need to represent yourself. So if you're asking those questions, I would definitely encourage you to look at that interview because there's a lot of good information uh, in there on that. So let me get this back to, Oh, something just happened. No, I don't want to change my picture. (laughs) <laughs> destroyer says that is crazy 20,000 yeah it's got a you know it's really weird i was talking to debbie about that the other day when we when we did that interview that was before or they reached out to me before i hit a thousand subscribers and uh it was i mean it was a big deal i mean i actually upgraded my computer so i could do the interview i upgraded a camera i mean i was like oh my god this is going to be the thing that pushes us over the edge. It's going to make things, it's going to, we're going to catch the wave. It's, it's going to be, be whatever. And it was like, <laughs> I mean, it helped. And I'm, and I'm grateful I had that conversation because it really was good. And I, and I love that I have that piece of content, like in this conversation to say, Hey, go check it out because it's timeless information. And, uh, it's, uh, I, it's, it, it was good. It just didn't. It didn't accomplish what I had anticipated. <laughs> but speaking of speaking of uh, numbers, I don't know if you. Uh, well, I'll, I'll do it this way. I mean, you can see right here. I'm at. I'm almost to thirty thousand. I, I think on the back end, I'm at like uh, you know, twenty 
29,750 or something like that. I can't, I can't see it in this view. I have to do a different view, but, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, kind of crazy. Things are, um, things are, things are progressing along. So, all right, let me look to see. Wow. It's 645. Holy crud. I think, well, I'll get to this in a minute. I think tomorrow's topic or today's topic is now quickly going to become tomorrow's topic, but you know what? I appreciate getting a caller right at the beginning. That was awesome. I mean, you know, I mean, to, 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 Hey, that's okay. So it drives the conversation a different way. A lot of times, uh, that to helps. Okay. I Tumblr says, Dwayne, what hobbies, what hobbies helped you during your divorce? You know, honestly, there wasn't many because the ex started. Okay. As I mentioned earlier, if you, unless somebody just jumped in, photography was a really big thing in my life for the longest time. I mean, I'm like, I babysat when I was younger to buy my first camera. I was cameras and computers. So I was also, a, uh, I wrote software when I was younger. And even when I was older, I wrote some code that I, that I actually sold and made a decent amount of money on. So the problem is, is that during the, the divorce, the ex was like, well, you have all this expensive camera equipment and I want my half. And, and I was just like at the mode, I'm like, if this bleep, 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 freaking steals this, I don't know how emotionally I'm going to handle it. So she ba- effectively stole it from me anyway. So what I did is I packaged everything up and I threw it up in the cabinet. Uh, I asked my attorney, I'm like, okay, if, if she's going to force me to sell it, can I just sell this stuff and give you the money so that she doesn't get anything out of it? He's like, absolutely. You can do that. So I didn't use it. And I, and, and to be honest, you know, Let's see. Looking back, it was a mistake. However, also understanding the, the, the context of the time, my mental space, I was financially ruined. Had I started doing stuff where I was really having fun with it and she really went after it and I had to sell it just to pay her, I don't know how I could, I don't, I wasn't in the mind space to be able to be like, okay. Right. And so I don't know. I mean, I wish, I don't even know if I have it over here. I mean, I wish I had something different or something that was not on the table, so to speak. So that was a, you know, it was a mistake. And so what did I, and, and, and honestly, who, who asked that? I tumblers, uh, honestly, man, it was really tough because emotionally I was spiraling out of control financially. I was just destroyed. I mean, I was at the point that I couldn't even do anything. So, okay, let me, let me back up. So what did I do? I had some amazing friends. Uh, my buddy, Mike, who's the photo guy I've talked about. Uh, he, um, you know, we would go do things, you know, his parents at the time had a place in Palm Springs. So he would drag me out and we would go do photography type stuff. And, but the, but the reality was, is I was, I was such a downer, you know, I'm actually really grateful that, that he did that because I mean, the entire time I'm just talking about the ex, I'm just talking about how screwed up things were. You know, I'm, I'm sure he felt that, that, uh, you know, he needed a cyanide tablet, like, you know, you know, biting, you know, around his neck so that at any moment when it just got too much, he could just bite down on it and just be done. (laughs) That's a joke I used to use way back when probably not really appropriate, a little dark, but so it was that. And, uh, um, I would, uh, one of the other hobbies is I would like to go to the beach. There's a lot of times I would just, I'm close enough. It's like two and a half hours. I could just drive and just look at the Pacific ocean. So I see I Tumblr says I found reading autobiographies, fishing and golfing have helped you guys. You have to find something else to give you like give you a distraction. Like even with what I was talking about with the first caller, it all can't be based on one thing. There has to be a balance. So if your whole life is 90% focused on, on the crisis at hand, there has to be an escape and it has to be a constructive, uh, constructive, productive, productively constructive thing. In other words, you don't want to like, okay, my hobby is, is I watch 
very stressful movies and you know, I watch them and afterwards I feel even worse. You don't want to do that. You want to find something that gives you a moment to escape, whatever that is. You know, I mean, if that's going to a, well, see, I mean, with COVID, it creates more havoc on what you can do. I mean, in the past, it would be like, hey, if you were going to go listen to, you know, go to a small coffee shop or bar that has music night and, you know, listen to people do something, you know, something to give you a break. So let me look and see what's going on. I do have one other caller. Uh, I'll bring, this is a return caller and well, I'll do it, but we're only going to have a couple of minutes. So I'll bring Frank on. Hey, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, how's hey, it going? How are you? Good, man. Hey, I, I hate to say this, no. but we only have a couple of minutes, but uh, it looks like things aren't going so great. What's going on? Well, I had the 10 days that the, the judge ruled on, and then and then the regular schedule is supposed to start because we're back in school now. Right. And that was Thursday. And instead of seeing my kids for dinner like I should have, she took them to... Uh, you know, out of town again to her vacation home out, out of state. And so it's all starting over again. I, my lawyer insists that I not even email her or text her anymore. He's actually managing all of the correspondence now. She keeps complaining that it's harassment. She says her lawyer is super expensive. And, you know, the good news on the last motion is that I didn't have to pay for her fee, you know, and I was actually going to comment on something else because this madness just continues and it's just the same crap for four years now. I mean, it's pretty intense now, but like, I'm just kind of over it. And I was listening to you talk about talking to friends and, you know, the combination of the escalation of this thing combined with COVID and I'm not seeing people and, you know, it's, um, I hate to sound like a sad staff, but man, the loneliness is, is, is really hard not seeing your kids and then, and then not really being able to see friends so much. Not like I had a ton of friends coming out of support. Right. And yeah. then people just get tired of hearing it. I mean, what you yeah. were just talking about was top of mind for me, just with your buddy and taking the cyanide pill. You know, people, we've talked about this before. People don't want to hear it after a while. And it's, um, and it's just, it just get, you, you try to occupy with your time with other things, but after a while, it just gets weird when you're spending this much time alone. It, weird. Yeah, it is. That's a great point. I mean, I can absolutely relate to that. I remember those days. And I, and I think that the, you know, the main thing is, well, not the main thing, but I think to not overload our friends, you have to find other resources like, like, let's say, you know, this channel or like the discord, uh, you know, find other people that you can talk, that get it, that you can talk to, to where you can vent. And then when you talk to, you know, the normal people in your life, are there people in real life and the ones that you know really can't handle constantly hearing it is uh, to, yeah, to, have, to help. We have a helpline that's run by the city and I call them literally almost every day and tell, and they, I, they know a lot of the agents there know me and they listen right. to me, you know, and, and they remember my story. So it's kind of nice, but they're not sick of it because I, the different agents there or counselors. Well, but that's so their job too, right? I mean, it, but, but when you call a yeah. helpline, I mean, and yeah. that's, a, you know, that's an excellent point, man. And I'm glad you brought it up because those people, I mean, well, that's like even a therapist, their job is to help you do that and to listen to it. Right. And I mean, and, and more than why, I mean, typically they're looking at it and they're like, so if you're talking to them, they're analyzing, okay, what are you talking about? Where are you kind of heading? What are the tools that I can share? You know, how can I drive the conversation to help you? I mean, technically, I mean, I'm not a therapist, but that's even kind of how I deal with it when I'm talking to somebody. Right. And so, I mean, it's, it's different than when you're talking to a buddy where, you know, like if, if you and I are friends and we're sitting over a coffee or talking on the phone or whatever the heck it is, and you're talking about it, I'm invested in you because you're my friend, right? So when you're telling stuff, I don't have a disconnected view. And it's one of two things. Either I get to the point where it's like, it's so depressing. It's, it's like invading and, and, and affecting my life. And that's what happens is right. People are just like, Oh crap, I don't want this negativity yeah. in my life. But I mean, so totally. having totally. professionals and the fact that you have those resources in your state to do that, that is phenomenal. And I would say, you know what, I'll have to look uh, if there are things that's, I'll have to look to see if there are more things that are kind of known about that. Actually, Debbie will know this cause it's kind of partly what she does for her profession. And maybe I can try to f- 
point people to that because you're, you're right. I mean, that you're, you're almost better. Like if you're really bummed, instead of calling somebody that you call all the time who now you know that when you call, they're like, oh, dear God, you know, do I really want to answer the call? I mean, I used to feel that way. I, I, call, I call my buddy Mike. I was talking about him earlier. And sometimes I'm thinking, man, he's not going to answer the phone because he just doesn't, you know, he's not emotionally ready for it to hear it. So, yeah, it, no, I equated to so I had a friend with cancer who was dying, and I was yeah. like, I really didn't, nobody really wanted to see her. And, you know, you're like, that sounds cruel, but that's just what people did because you could only deal with it so much. And it's, it's similar. It's like, it's almost, I, that was like the best metaphor I can come up with. It's like having yeah. cancer. You can only talk about it so many times, and then it's like, okay, people just can't handle it. Right. And, and maybe if you're lucky, you have one or two people who can, right? Actually, it's, I, I do have, I do have, yeah. Yeah, I have one friend who was abused yeah. by his mother. By he was narcissistic, so he can relate to it. He's he's the the father of one of my children's uh, school friends, and then I have another friend who just kind of is more patient. Right. He's um. But yeah, the other the other, most you know men just don't have this kind of patience generally for each other. But I have a couple of good buddies. Yeah, and it, but it, even they, I can't. You know, maybe it's once a week. Right. Maybe once every two weeks that we talk because, you know, and, and I call them more than they call me and I, you know, and yeah. I get it, you know, I get yeah. it. I, uh, I, I had somebody who actually, I had a friend of mine who was over here yesterday. I haven't seen him in a while because of this COVID thing. And, uh, I mean, he, he basically helped keep me alive during this. And I mean, and there were times where the ex would drop some bomb at 11 o'clock at night and he lives an hour away from me. And I'd be like, dude, can I come over? And I would drive over and we would sit on a work night and, and, you know, he'd kind of talk me off the ledge. Uh, and you know, I mean, there's, there's, if we're really lucky, we have one or two of those type of people in our lives that, that we can count on. But 99% of the time people might engage or entertain that for a little bit and then they're done and they don't want to do it. They're just, they can't, they can't, they don't have the emotional capacity. That's what's good about professionals though, yeah, because they're trained for that. That's what they're there to do. Yeah. You have to, everyone should look into their city. Like I, I only heard about this line I have in my city because of my lawyer told me oh, about nice. it. And I'm sure that if other people were familiar with it, they would be way too busy. Like you should literally look into it and see if there's a free support line. And it might feel kind of like weird at first, but once you start doing it, you're like, it, it's a godsend. I mean, I, yeah. I love, you know, I tell them all the time, I'm going to write letters to the newspaper one day when this is done because I don't feel like doing it now. Yeah. Um, you know, singing their praises. They've really, it, it, and I'm a social guy. I have friends, you know, but it's, you still isolate a lot. And for the guys that are not as social as me, I'm sure there's like, they're all very, very isolated women. You know, it is. This is another thing about the DSD, dads surviving divorce, because men, we're just not as social generally. And we don't, re it's more even when we're having a hard time, we tend to isolate. We tend to not reach out. I mean, there's a reason why the suicide rate for guys in this situation, you know, I'm not suicidal at all, but just it's much higher. You know, the mental health side of this is, is a big, big issue for dads. It's really a big issue. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, and, and I mean, I, I, and you have 50, 50 time, Dwayne, and yeah. you get a lot of people calling in that have good situations that are trying to, that are annoyed because they're nitpicking it. They're like moms who have their kids and complaining about the dad or their dads that have got these great stories. The guys that are really suffering, I notice don't call in as often. I think they listen, but it's, there's a lot of people suffering here yeah. that are really having a hard time. Very true. All right, man. Hey, we are about out of time, so I got to wrap this up. Thanks for calling, man. Thanks. So I guess the thing on this is that this goes in waves, and, and uh, you know, it's not, it's not easy, but it, but it, it does. I mean, it's, I, I hate to say this because it's like, it does get better, but it's really when you're at the beginning stages, seeing that it's possible to get better is really hard. And I, and I hate to end it on that because we are basically out of time. So thank you guys for hanging out with me on this Friday. Tomorrow we'll jump into the show talking about financial issues. Uh, we might even continue this topic. I appreciate you guys hanging out with me. Uh, 
Thursday, I will have Chris Godinez here to talk about uh, this strange parent issue. I'm looking forward to that. And hopefully, we will see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.